we were asked to do an intro. So let's do an intro. Who are we? I'm Clay Parker Jones. I race for To Be Determined in New York City. Uh, and I'm Cullen McDonald, and I race for Coalition Cycling Club, also in New York City. And this is the Pre-Ride Podcast. And what we're covering this week is uh, a very special Supercross edition of the podcast, as well as some coverage of the PACX races that I'll be doing, uh, Troganator and Westchester Cross, which will be the PACX championship. And uh, three questions from the mailbag. We have a mailbag, which is exciting. You know, I think I, this, you know, live and recording might not be the best time to talk about this. We should, we should, you know, come up with maybe a better name than mailbag. Maybe something fun. The, um, the, yeah, okay. I mean, I don't have any. I have zero ideas. My, like, I'm a, I'm a problems guy. I come up with the problems, and then I expect solutions people to come up with the solutions. So, um. The problem I'm proposing is that we can come up with a better name than mailbag. The wa- <laughs> the water the waterproof ma- mail pennier brought to you by Ortlieb waterproof <laughs> pennier products. They keep me in the game. <laughs> All right, so um, so go on. It's fine. Mailbag's fine. Go. Yeah. Continue on. Your and uh, how can you contribute to the uh, waterproof mail pennier? Um, you can contribute. In a few different ways. One, you can comment on an Instagram photo. Our Instagram is at PreRidePod. And we post there uh, some Insta stories of lines, day of, as well as annotated maps. We try really hard to get maps from uh, race directors and course designers and give them some notes so that you know what's coming. Uh, they're not always super accurate, but, you know, we try. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, of course, Pre-Ride Pod. You can email us on your favorite email platform, Gmail. We're preridepod at gmail.com. And this is the first episode where we're like officially on iTunes. Yeah, it's so exciting. Not only iTunes, uh, we actually are going to be popping up on the Google Play Store podcasts as well as a couple other feeds. So if you use, uh, you know, not necessarily the Apple's official um, podcasting app, or you've got some an Android and you've got a few other, um, you know, you try out some different apps there, we're going to be on a few different feeds. So if you're not seeing us on your favorite podcasting app yet, uh, also feel free to leave a comment on Instagram, and I'll make sure that we get up there. Um, over the next week, we should be popping up on all of them, though. Um, one thing to, to mention is... Uh, we unlocked an achievement this weekend. I got heckled in a pre-ride about this podcast. I think the guy said, you're supposed to listen to the podcast before the pre-ride, which <laughs> really warmed my heart. But also, like, I should have pre-ridden Sly Fox more because I crashed an embarrassing number of times after having, like, over-raced to, the, to like, third place. And then crashed in front of everyone and finished like at the back of the pack. So it was it was a, a tough weekend for me. So anyway, just want to point out we hear your heckles, we appreciate them, and we're not perfect. Yeah, it was definitely a weekend that causes you to go to question uh, on Saturday. Do I do I like doing this? Should I? Is this the end of the season for me? And then Sunday led to uh, 
you know, I, I got injured and had my first DNF, but it was still, you know, an extremely fun cross day. And so, you know, remind myself, yes, I still want to do this, but it is the end of the season. And we're seeing a lot of, a lot of racers, a lot of people dropping off saying, you know what, that's it. I have had enough. Um, but Clay, there's at least three or four more weekends of racing this, uh, this season. Yeah, and we've got a, a, a great one ahead of us, one that um, features at, at least one of the toughest courses that I experienced last year in Supercross. Really, really great course design, and we have an interview coming up uh, later on today with Miles Romanow, who is the course designer, which is exciting. Yeah, that's going to be really cool. So that's going to be um, sort of tacked on at the end of this episode. Um, but uh, uh, before that, there, there are also two really, really good races uh, happening on Saturday and Sunday that are not Supercross. Yeah, Troganator and Westchester. Troganator is on Saturday, and it's a brand new race brought to you by Trogue's Independent Brewing. Um, they have it at this this newly renovated place called the Allenberry Resort. It is uh, heckin' far out into uh, Pennsylvania, I think two and a half, two hours 45 from New York City, if that's where you're coming from. Uh, it looks, it looks exciting. It looks like a, like a, a fun race, despite the fact that it's got very low registration numbers as of right now. I think 115 people, um, should get the, should see that bump up to around like 150, 175, hopefully. The fun thing about it is that they've got a whole menu put together that they posted online on, on Trogue's site. Uh, Allenberry chef de cuisine, Joseph Randall, has put together a fantastic race menu featuring grilled bratwurst and sauerkraut with perpetual IPA mustard seeds, pretzel bites with Java head stout white cheddar fondue, lentil and mushroom burger with Greek yogurt herb sauce, autumn salad, and roasted mushroom soup with creme fraiche and crispy sage. Like, I've never seen that on <laughs> a registration page. I'm really excited about it. It's It seems fancy, which is something, you know that I like. I like a little production value. So I'm looking forward to that. We don't have a whole lot of details on that one. Um, but, you know, it's part of the beer series. So you can expect some shenanigans. You can expect some hijinks. And, you know, if, like me, you are not ready for big time fields, like you're going to see at the NECX series races, these smaller races are good for the mental constitution because they're basically you're not racing against as many people. There's not as many chances for you to screw up and, and get um, run over by, you know, fast cat twos and cat threes that are coming up behind you and wanting your line. Um, it's, it's good. So I'll be doing, doing Troganator. And then on uh, Sunday, there's Westchester, which is in its sixth year running. And since 2015, they've been doing it in two separate editions. They'll do one earlier in the season, Colin, which you did, mm -hmm. as well as uh, a second edition later on in the year. And, uh, you know, details are, you know, typically sparse on this course. It's on a completely new uh, venue. 
and a completely new course design, of course, because it's a completely new venue. And it's designed by uh, someone who they're calling Angry Bob Ruther, who designed the course for uh, the first edition of this earlier in the year. And that course was just full of just the most off cambers that I've ever seen in my entire life. And to me, mimicked some of the, the scale and difficulty, not like mountain bike difficulty, but cross difficulty of a Charm City or a Supercross. Colin, what was your take on that first one? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I specifically signed up for that race as sort of like a, like a confidence booster. Like I didn't really tell any of our friends and I had planned originally just to drive out there solo until I saw how far away it was and convinced you and uh, our, uh, our club uh, supporter, Emily, um, to, to come out and just watch. Um, and we, so I didn't expect much and we, we got there and did one pre-ride and you, you pre-rode with me and just halfway through it, we realized that the, that the course was, was in an, an amazing course. So Bob really seems to pay attention to like how European races and courses are designed and it like where, where you, it's not just one difficult feature and then a long straightaway and then another difficult feature and then another straightaway. Bob seemed to uh, focus on like setting up feet, like hard features or specifically challenging features back to back to back so that an entire section is, is hard. And you sort of have to think about how you come out of one feature into the next one. It had just tons of off cambers, things where you'd be off camber and then have to turn and go down a hill to a different off, like the other side off camber. So like weight distribution to the other side of your body. Um, it had some power climbs. It had some long climbs. It had really wide and uh, really wide parts and uh, where passing could happen. It, it, it was, it was, a really, really fun race to, to do. It was not just, you know, not just an FTP test, like some of these races up here tend to be. Um, I was really impressed. And so because of that, I'm actually doing, I'm only doing day one of Supercross and I'm going to go do the, the day two of Westchester. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Looking forward to a new, a new venue. There's always some teething issues, but uh, it should be fun and we'll see how it goes. They have posted a map we don't have uh, many details. We'll see if we can follow up and get something up on Instagram before the weekend. But yeah, that's Westchester, and that's just outside of Philly. And yeah, Troganator is uh, way out—not way out. You should you should go to it. It's not that far. Um, it's outside of Harrisburg. So nice little drives, and maybe you could check out historic. I assume Harrisburg <laughs> after <laughs> after the race. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk about the the elevation and the the cross results rankings for Westchester? Yeah, so I don't know ever how accurate these things are. So you know how when you're on cross results and you go check out your results, it asks you to rate the race whether or not it was fun, uh, whether or not it was wet, if there was mostly steady pedaling or mostly acceleration, whether it was technically difficult and whether it was, uh, had, a, had a bunch of elevation and these, uh, if you say no, you have to say no. And I hate you and I hate data or something like that. It's great. I don't think they have a ton of people responding to it. That said, 
I think it's sort of it's it's sort of interesting. So uh, Sly Fox, for example, 2017, the race from just this last weekend scored a 6.5. I assume out of 6.66, um, you know, the number of the devil, whatever. In terms of uh, technical challenge, Town Hall earlier in the year. Uh, a race known for its huge hill scores a 5.9 on elevation and a race like uh whirly bird cross which we know was just a bunch of flat pedaling scores like a two point something in terms of acceleration so the higher up you go the more there's turns and punchy stuff and it's about accelerating out of those turns rather than just pedaling along a long stretch of bumpy grass so In general, the races for Westchester, even though they're at different venues, tend uh, to be on the elevation, uh, higher elevation side side of things. So the last three editions, 5.4, 5.7, 5.3. So there's going to be, you can imagine, Bob will find some hills on that venue to have you go up and down and off camber and sideways and all the things. And it will be more of a acceleration game than a West, uh, a whirly bird, but not by much only in the three, 3.2, 3.7, 3.8. Again, we don't know how accurate these things are exactly, but those line up with about, uh, a, a little bit below average acceleration numbers for the big races that we know well, like Nittany, Gloucester, DCCX. I can imagine that, that the, as a course designer, you have like specific things you, you like to do. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, and so even though this Westchester is at a different location, um, I think you're right that Bob's going to figure out how to throw in, you know, the the last one we had was, was it had a few power, like short power climbs that were, and then it had a long sort of, sort of crappy road, uh, climb on like either grass or this like crappy sidewalk. And it was, you know, kind of brutal. People were really struggling at the top. And then the, the finishing straight had it was an uphill on a road, um, right? And I can imagine that Bob's going to find some of those same sorts of features to uh, to sort of punish anyone who thinks that that uh, they're good at that the technical bits. Yeah, and it's worth noting that usually the course designer is on site. Usually he or she is racing, and they usually are walking around asking people how they like the course. And you can get to know these people and they're just cross racers like you and they like the same things that you do and, you know, make a friend and find things out about, about what they think about, about course design. So anyway, Troganator, Westchester, I think we can close those out, but look for maps if we can get them on, on Instagram and share those with your friends, comment if you know anything about the, the races or live nearby uh, and give us a follow. Okay, so that was uh, the two races from the PAX series this weekend. Uh, coming up next uh, is my interview with Miles Romanoff, uh, the organizer for Supercross. Um, talk about course design, strategy, and uh, walk through the day one course turn by turn. And then talk about some of the uh, benefits and amenities you'll get uh, if you're racing this weekend. So let's get right into it. So just right off the bat, uh, tell me who you are and uh, a little bit about like your relationship to cyclocross and oh, supercross. Lord. 
Uh, okay, so my name is Miles Romano. I am the race director for the Supercross Cup. Uh, I am under the impression this is our 15th year of hosting UCI events. Um, it is all a happy blur, I assure you. Uh, I'm a member of the Casena Cycling Club, so that's like the sponsoring entity and the predominant labor force behind putting on the events every single year. Uh, they're based in Brooklyn, New York, riding typically out of Prospect Park. And this year's events are being held at Rockland Community College in Suffern, New York, just north of New York City. Uh, regarding cyclocross, um, well, I'm from, I live predominantly on the east end of Long Island, full time, and love racing, love to race cross, love to race road, and years ago, we wanted to put on a road race in our town, and because the tourism traffic pattern is so awful, they laughed at us, and my best friend at the time said, why don't you do a cross race? And so we talked about doing a cross race at a place in Sag Harbor called Mash Hash Inuit Park. And uh, it's a conservancy park in Sag Harbor. And uh, during my interview slash pitch to the conservancy board, I had to do research in the library. And I discovered that in like 1887, the bleachers in the park that still stand by the baseball diamond were actually erected for velodrome racing. <laughs> like they had Major Taylor out in the Hamptons in the whenever he was racing actively doing velodrome racing in the summer, and that's why they put in these bleachers. And when I brought them that information, they got like super excited and were like, "Oh, historical precedent! We have to have a bike race in our park." And uh, and that's when we started in like 2002. Yeah, we've had a few other venues since then. Uh, we were at Bear Mountain for a couple years, just north of the city as well. And last year was our first year at RCC. And it's it's a great venue. We're super fortunate to have it. Um, yeah, so last year was actually it was actually my first year doing cross at all. Uh, and I Supercross was, I think, my sixth and seventh race. Or oh, okay. Um, and and I remember it was the first that day one was the first race that I did you know, sort of as well as I had had wanted to do. Um, for some reason, that first day just ended up being really well-suited to, to where my fitness was and where my skills were. And then yep. and then day two happened, which was uh, one of my friend's very first cross races. And we it was so much fun. It was like, I mean, it was, it, I, think we, I think the men's four or five field did one and a half laps. Because we were all going so slow, it we had a blast at the at the at, on day two. It, and it always amazes me that people have such a good time getting frozen. I mean, it was miserable. It was definitely dirty. type two or type three fun, but it was it was. Uh, <laughs> Their bikes are thrashed, but they're like it was so much fun. I I never understood yeah. that, but like we're we're happy that it worked out for you guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a. That was actually a day one problem because it started snowing at 11.30 p.m. And mm. it dropped about four inches in an hour, and then it stopped. And, uh, and of course, it hit like 40 degrees the next day at 9 a.m., and everything just kind of melted rather nicely. Did you have to deal with any, like, were there any, like, 
ramifications or any lear- any findings, any pushback from the from the college about like damage done to the to the property as a result of that race? Yes and no. Um, fortunately, they're super supportive of us. Uh, we did have to do some repair and work with the landscaping maintenance team there to get everything addressed. Uh, but in the, the reality is, like, the damage was not that severe. It, it does always look worse than it is. And, yeah, you know, the big thing for us, because of the time of year our event takes place at, we can't really do anything in November to, you know, cure this curious brown stripe that is now on your lawn. You know, like, we can't put down seed, you can't put down sod, you can't put down turf. And you just right. got to have people who are kind of cool with that for a couple of months until it warms up and then come back in spring and take care of it. But uh, Yeah, grass grows back pretty quickly if you uh, focus on it. So that's, that's cool of them for being so supportive and so supportive, in fact, that uh, we're doing the race there again this year. We're doing the race again here this year. Um, you can take a nice hot shower after your race every day. Um, you know, bring your own towel. They don't have a laundry service, but, uh, you know, that's available to everyone for, for no charge, which is really cool. Uh, they have an unused gymnasium in the main building by where bike wash was last year, where if we get inclement weather on Saturday, we can put up the bouncy castles inside and the kids can come and play while mom or dad are, are up there racing, which is kind of cool as well. So I was checking out the course maps, um, uh, today and notice that like yeah a couple like it was sort of oriented a little bit differently the, the locations yep. of certain 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 facilities were sort of uh, moved around and my guess is as as a result of the new the new things that the college is letting us take advantage of. It, yeah, part of it was the college and part of it was us. Um, you know, we are fortunate having that great infield track area to use for exposition and food and other stuff but the parking scenario we had last year where everyone was basically in pro parking didn't work out for that because people never leave their cars um so this year we're using the predominantly we're going to use the other lot on the um eastern side of the course right next to bike wash that is where regular parking is as well as club row so everyone will be on top of the hill. If you took a club row spot, we have a guaranteed grass area staked out for your tent or tents. Uh, you've got good sight lines for expo food, the finish line, the pits. You know, you can see most of the course from that location. And uh, it's a super easy walk down the hill to go grab a waffle or something else. No problem. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you knew that you wanted to, uh, you know, sort of move some stuff around when it comes to parking, when it comes to spectating and having easy access to that infield. Yep. So um, uh, how does that com- So how does that play into? And maybe this is a much larger question, but um, the actual course design, like there, and you know, what do you prioritize, and how do you go about even even like starting to lay out a course? Um, personally, I always, I start with the start, you know, um, it sounds silly to say that, but I, 
you know, I used to actually race a bit. Uh, cross starts are pretty chaotic. It's it's probably the most treacherous part of the entire course. There's a lot of different variables going on. I think, um, I mean, my favorite part of, of one of my favorite parts of the of racing cross is, yeah, those like those jitters, those jitters, 30 seconds, and then like the next five minutes of, of, of basically what, what determines a huge chunk of your final result in the race. It's like that, those first five minutes of, okay, how aggressive am I going to be? Am I going out too hard? Am I not going out hard enough? Oh, there's that first turn coming up. Am I around people that I want to be around? It's that, that whole, that whole first five minutes where, where you haven't really, really settled in yet. Um, that, exactly. That always stick in my head from every race. And we, we tell, like when we're doing our clinics with the club and with our first time guys who are new to the sport, you know, we typically tell them when you finish your first lap, look ahead, look behind you. All those people you see are the people you are racing against for the next 25 or 26 minutes. Yeah, you know, it's one of the fun things about that cross. Yeah, I, I was just about to say that exact sentence. It's like you might be you might be in a in a group of about five five people competing for 30th place, and you're gonna it's going to be a race. I mean, you, all five of you are going to be working hard to get that 30th place. And that's and that's my other my second priority is, you know, I I like races. I want to see races people i think people want to see races you know people get all excited when like jeremy powers crushes nationals and wins by four minutes and i mean i'm excited because i love jeremy powers Um, but but to me that's kind of boring like i'm watching one dude doing a dirt time trial i i we deliberately make courses that are really wide high speed you don't have to brake check a bunch because we want to see groups we want to see people racing that's awesome. I'm, well, I'm really excited about it. I've, I've got a whole other set of skills and, uh, and, and fitness than I had last year. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about, about doing the race. Um, when it comes to the, like, specific, uh, features of the course, there's mm-hmm. a few things that sort of stick out in my head. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sort of curious what, uh, this is the pre-ride podcast. The intention is, you know, getting people prepared for the upcoming race much in the same way that you would do an actual pre-ride. What are some of the, the key features of this course that you think someone should, should sort of focus on? Or, or do you have thoughts on, you know, how people should approach approach this course? To race well here, this course demands your full attention and not in the way of a super-duper Rudy technical course does um, there are, you know, people get hung up on a single area. Like, oh, I, I didn't do well on the barriers or I didn't do well on the Belgian stairs. But the reality is, like, this is, I think Adam Meyerson described it as a World Cup-style course with huge lanes, really big hills, and really, really fast sections. And you should be thinking about how to carve those lines in your race as efficiently as possible and just maintaining your speed over the entire uh, lap. That's a skill that I've started to really apply in my pre-ride is, you know, not just thinking about, okay, there's this there's this power climb, or here are the barriers, or, you know, here's the soft camera section. Instead, thinking about, and it's something we've talked about in previous episodes, is, okay, well, there's this power climb that immediately goes into an off camber. Instead of thinking of those as two separate features, 
think about these bigger features, these bigger sections of the course, because if you come out of one feature wrong but fast, it might set you up to end up doing the very next feature absolutely wrong. Um, exactly. So, like, the uphill steps, those are still in the course this year. Yeah, we're going to have a couple sets of those uh, on Sunday, probably just the one set on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, and then when it comes to – I remember there being uh, – on Saturday, it was, like, a steep descent sort of off camber, and then you had to sort of shift your weight to make this turn at the very bottom of this of the, this sort of steep descent to go, and yep. it's not, now it's a long climb. Is, are we going to have to see something like like that back in there? Yeah. we're. Um, I mean, I can take you through a whole lap of Saturday if you want verbally. Start boxes are the same location they were last year uh, if you didn't come to the event. It is a paved asphalt start, uh, perfectly straight for about 75 meters, and then it starts a 4% uphill uh, which is still perfectly straight. Uh, it transitions from asphalt to super hard pack dirt. And then you will continue up a hill for about another 100 yards. Make a gentle right turn, hard dirt surface. And then you'll make a new turn, which is uh, a pretty wide open left that takes you onto the track. And you'll go 50 meters on the track, and then you will pass the finish line. So that's where our finish will be. It'll be on the running track inside the expo area. You'll go 50 more meters and then exit the track, and then you're on grass. Uh, you'll have a series of two high-speed turns, and then you will have pit one on your... You think about this, uh, right? <laughs> yes, we service from the right. Um, into a series of two still high-speed off-camber turns right near a little forest. And the trick on this one is there's a, as you go around the trees on the fifth turn, you go down into a little gully. And even though you can see it, people forget that it's not a smooth transition on the very bottom it kind of flattens out, and you do have to remember to lift. Otherwise, you could sort of just, like, jam your bike in. Uh, you cruise around that and exit, and now you go on the first off-camber uphill, swoop around a tree to a high-speed descent to a very high-speed turn, back uphill, Belgian stairs, continue up the hill, all flat where you can recover, hit the back half of the course over a quick little dirt section that's perfectly straight, uh, uphill off-camber, Left, barrier section, quick flat, uh, a very rapid off-camber right-left combo, and then back along a flat, uh, super high-speed descent, the one you were talking about where literally you can go completely, totally flat out to a very high-speed flat turn, entrance to pit two again on the right, and then you'll sweep back around the fence by the infield, uh, head back up a super steep climb, and then head back off towards Club Row. A quick little wood section that's very wide open. Again, no real routes, so we can have really high-speed turns. Uh, quick abrupt turn to some off-camber by Club Row. Um, two more downhill left, a sweeping right, and then you're 
back up towards the forest last year, which is a new section for us. And that'll be kind of fun. It's got a really high-speed, quick little plunge to some super ricky lefts or right sweep around. And then it's a gentle uphill back to the start line. Yeah, the last year, the um, that the finishing was on that, like, gravelly uphill thing before you hit the track. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty excited yeah. about the finish being on, finish being right on the track. Yeah, that was one of those things we, we probably should have totally thought of last year. We just kind of didn't. <laughs> we learned, you know, we, we made some improvements this year. Uh, I mean, it, 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 I was no, nowhere close to actually needing to sprint on, on the uphills to, for, a, for a result, but, um, I think, I think the woods section is gonna, we're gonna see that last lap, you know, the pointier ends of the, of some of these races, we're gonna see some, some aggressive moves being made in the woods so, so that people can be. No, exactly. And there's, there's lots of places to attack if you're in a lead group or, uh, even if you're racing with a group. I mean, you can attack everywhere on this course. Mm -hmm. And again, kind of like we said, you know, people, especially in the lower classes, get hung up on, you know, powering up a hill or crushing this particular section, they don't realize that, like, taking a really good, fast line, like, in my opinion, that's that's free speed. You know, you didn't have to go out and train to learn how to steer. You didn't have to suffer on your trainer at 4 million watts for an hour on. You know, you just have to make wise choices and steer your bike properly. And I think I think that's it, man. I think that that's, that's the tip. Uh I was going to ask you specifically, like, if, if you have any tips for for racers doing this, trying to get a good result. But I think that's it. It's the, uh, it's, you know, think about lining up uh, one turn into another one. Take advantage of the downhills. Try to maintain your speed. Yep. Don't grab your brakes, and yep. and don't, and then also don't, uh, uh, you know. Don't be weak on the uphill. Like power through it. Uh, roll your eyes back in your head if you have to, because at the very top you're going to end up going downhill again, and and you'll get that speed back. Exactly. And people get so hung up on the start, and the reality is, like if you've got if you've got some fitness and some handling and skills, there are so many places to make up a poor start or a slow start on this course. You know, it's 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 a real racer's course, which is nice to have. Well, awesome, man. Uh, do you have any uh, anything else you want to make sure you mention or make sure I mention uh, as part of this? Um, you know, we've got some great food vendors each day. Uh, Waffles and Dingus, Fork in the Road, and Five Senses. Uh, we're super thankful to have Cliff from Cliff Bar, their support. We've got a great warm-up tent uh, on the start line. So there's 18 trainers in the tent ready to go for people all day, every day. Or the kids' zone with the bouncy castles and fun stuff can move inside. And we're we're just super stoked and really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too, man. Well, thanks so much. Uh, I'll make sure I come say hey when I get there on Saturday morning. And, uh, and I really appreciate you putting on this race and uh, taking the time to talk to me. No problem. Thanks, man. Cheers. Bye. That was awesome. Uh, huge shout out to Miles for taking the time to talk to me again. Um, 
I'm pretty excited about that race. Hope you are too if you're signed up. If not, make sure you go sign up right now. Uh, finishing up this episode, we've got uh, three questions from listeners. So let's hop right into that. The first question comes from someone named Clark. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read it out loud right now. Uh, I'm curious how to go fast enough in the pre-ride to actually know how to handle the corners. My problem at Marty CX and HPCX was that I didn't rip the corners as fast as I should have in the pre-ride, so I crashed in the very first lap. Ooh, you know this this is something I struggle with as well. So um, I know that. Uh, from knowing who this is from, I know that Clark is a, a recent upgrade to, to Cat 3 where, you know, the speeds are a little bit faster. And I'm reminded of something that, that Keith mentioned when uh, Keith Garrison of King Cog mentioned that we when we were talking about different courses and how technical they are and this and that. And he was basically just saying that, yeah, some races don't seem that technical, but if you start going like really fast on them, everything gets technical. Everything is important. Even like the most basic turns are really, really important and deserve your attention. Sometimes the technical stuff that you see people lining up to, to try is not always the stuff to spend your time on. So I am fond of saying that cross is logistics and getting to the course at the right time, knowing when you get a chance to pre-ride and making sure you have enough chances to get out there on course so that you can run through a um, sort of a scheme that you'll develop and improve over time is essential. So no matter uh, no matter what, I like to get to course three hours uh, before the race. Now, as, a, as someone who's racing later on in the day, because that gives me three individual slots to pre-ride, you know, assuming that each race goes off on the hour-ish, then at 45 minutes after, there's always 15 minutes to get on course. I mark those pre-ride slots on a piece of paper and I put that up in, uh, in, the, in the rental car. And I also mark what I'm going to be doing in between, pinning, eating, warming up in whatever way, uh, going to the bathroom, whatever it needs to do, or whatever I need to do. And I am also really careful at the end of the season now about how much I warm up. I haven't been able to train as much during the week as I would want to. So my body isn't like, it can't handle a lot of warming up and then a 45 to 52 something minute race. So I try to warm up intensely, but not long. So I don't take away too many of, of, of my matches. Uh, some reminders for pre-ride and we're going to get to Clark's actual question, but I, you know, the logistics point is really important. There's some reminders for how to do pre-ride effectively and, you know, obey the rules and the sort of guidelines of the sport that I think are relevant to making sure that you get a chance to rip those corners fast enough before the race. Number one, uh, don't cross the start finish line. Uh, this messes up uh, the officials with, and gets them distracted and generally just not allowed. Don't, don't chop people. You know, you might have to chop people in the race. Hopefully not. Uh, but don't practice that in the pre-ride and be considerate of who's out there. You know, there's kids, there's masters, uh, there's people from all the different fields and it's a small community. 
don't chop people be nice yeah i mean like if if you feel like you want to if you feel like you have to hit some corner really fast it's always best to just sort of wait wait a little bit before that turn you know turn around and let some people know behind you like hey can you hold on a second i'm trying to let the person in front of me do it at their speed so i can do it at my speed and people are pretty uh agreeable and if somebody's behind you wants to go faster than you you know they might do, they'll end up doing the same thing and letting you hit the thing at your speed without screwing it up for you. Yeah, yeah, and you know, don't go backward on the course. Hop outside of the the tape and over the tape. walk backward. Yeah, go over, over the, the tape. tape. Over, always over, because if you go under, you stretch out the tape, and then you get tape blown in the wind and getting in people's uh, handlebars and then getting torn off and just go over the tape. All right. And as Colin was mentioning, give yourself space to go fast through the corners. Further to that, know that you have about uh, time for one and a half laps per pre-ride slot. So one and a half because you're going to have to, each lap is maybe seven and a half, eight minutes. That's 16 minutes. You have 15 minutes before the, the start of the race. You don't want to be on course and getting yelled at by everybody or just being that guy or gal who's on course while there's a race going. Don't do that. So you have one lap and a half a lap of time to hit a certain spot and pay attention to what's going on. And then maybe watch people go, go through it as they start their race. So what I like to do is for my first time out, just have a look at the course, do an inspection slow, hit a few spots, stop and, and look at things and try, you know, a technical section that I, I, I know will be slow because, you know, I'm going slow for that, that first, uh, first slot and then head off the course and have a think about what, what that course is going to be like. Think about the sections that are going to be important. Uh, maybe sketch them down, have a look at the course map on, uh, Instagram at pre-ride pod, actually use the maps that we create and I like zoom in and think about it. And then I head back out for the, the second one. I try to do it fast. And this means that you probably can't just go out uh, right with the whole group of people that are pre-riding and trying to get on course right away. Maybe give yourself a minute or 30 seconds so that that big group of people can head out and you can have some space so that you can hit the corners at the speed that you want to hit the corners at. Exactly. So uh, next thing is maybe use a speedometer, like have a look in the middle of a corner to see how fast you're going. And use all of the, all of your senses. Like one of the things that I like to remember is that when I'm hitting a corner fast enough, it's when I can hear the grass tearing underneath the tires. That's like where the tires are close to their limit and maybe I shouldn't go any faster. And then finally, just more practice. Uh, why do the top folks go so fast around corners that, you know, we have to break through. It's because they practice more and they test the limit of their tires and they try different pressures and they have their bike dialed in. So there's a lot of things that go into this and it's not just talent. It's a lot of practice, a lot of reps. So, uh, that's the answer. Good luck this weekend. Uh, I've got one thing to add, but, but clay, uh, I showed up late you know, I, I got my logistics wrong and I showed up late and I don't have time. I have maybe time to do one, one lap and, 
and is there anything I can do? And I learned a pretty cool trick from uh, uh, a friend who, who you know, gave, gave me, if there's anything you can do, our friend Stuart said that he's had pretty good luck and, you know, and I've, I've repeated this and found that it helps. Um, getting warmed up is not just about getting your muscles ready to go. It's also about like reminding your body, you know, early in the morning for some of us, reminding your body what it feels like to go fast around a corner and kind of slip out a little bit. And, and so if you don't have time to do, you know, three or four or even two laps of this pre-ride and get used to what that feels like, go find two trees and practice figure eights fast. And that's something you can do, you know, as long as it's far away from, from enough people, that's something you can do to sort of get your body ready to like react to a little bit of a slip out and remind yourself what that feels like when your front end sort of squishes a little. And, and like you said, remind yourself uh, what that sound, um, the sound of grass tearing and, and how fast that actually feels. You know, is, is the grass wet today? How does your bike feel today? Are things So if you've, if you've screwed up and you're late and you don't have time to do fast laps like you want, uh, you know, I found that 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 at least it's better than just sitting around uh, being bummed that you can't do a full pre ride because you know it, it it's not it's not nothing it's still something. That's right. That's a great point. All right, Clark. That's our answer. Have a great weekend. Good luck. Yeah. All right. Next mailbag question. Uh, this one comes from Matt. I'm curious as to the pre-rides opinion on the buttoned up, no hand ups, attention to detail cross, I like that, attention to detail cross, mm. at NECX versus the party vibe of PACX. Lots of shenanigans, hand ups, et cetera. This is the last leg of the season, and I'm curious how to pick between the big races and the small grassroots races. I'm noticing that my experience of cross varies a lot based on scheduling choices. Yeah, this is a, this is a great problem. Colin, what are your thoughts? I actually have a huge opinion on this. So after this past weekend, I um, I think I've nailed down the differences between the two races. Um, I think I think they're both important. I think the DCCX, the Nittanys, the Charm Cities, the the Supercross Cups, these huge race weekends are Gloucester. important. Yeah, Gloucester, exactly. I mean, I didn't do that, so it wasn't on, on my mind. Um, I think they're really important because what they, what they do is they solidify like your group, whether you're on a team or not, what always happens at these things is by like the middle of the day on day one, some tent has, is filled with your friends and probably some of your family and, uh, people from a couple different teams all sort of sitting around talking and laughing and joking about the race they just did, um, so one of the things that these races that these races do for me personally is it is it you know it it solidifies who my friends are in cross it like it helps develop the relationships with the people I already know and and then you get to watch like the bigger the really fast people do it the you know the elite men and women you get to watch them do this this course um, I think I think usually you'll see like tougher courses and sure that's that's something you'll see more vendors and that's cool. But for me, like the, the effect that these big races have on like how much I like doing cyclocross is it reminds me how good 
like how lucky I am to have like the friends and the team and the club that I have. And, and it seems like a lot of people have that same experience. Um, mm-hmm. We got some, we got some big feedback from a couple different teams and clubs that were all sort of around where we where you, me and some other teams were. And we all sort of just hung out. And, and so it, it wasn't a party in the sense of like the hand ups and like, you know, it wasn't a single speed world championships necessarily, but, but we sort of had our own little world at this, at this venue. And that, that, that contrasts to these smaller races where, you know, there's not a whole lot of people, there's not a whole lot of vendors, there's not a great place to even watch some of the racing. But what always ends up happening is these smaller races are where I end up meeting new people. And so, cause, cause, because, you know, your usual crew isn't there necessarily. And so you've got, you've got all this cross to talk about and you finish the race and immediately you're like high-fiving and, and, you know, hugging or, or laughing with these people you just did this race with that you maybe have seen around, but had never spoken to. And what, you know, what happened at, uh, this past weekend was we met some people that we had, you know, you know, waved at, seen at races and, and, you know, we made some new friends so that the very next big weekend, you know, we can solidify that. And so that's why I think these two races are important to do just from a, like a love of cross standpoint is you get these smaller races to meet some new people and then these huge races to like lock that in and, and sort of throw your own little party. Um, and that, that was a huge takeaway I had from, from uh, Sunday. I love that. I don't have a whole lot to add to that. I mean, that's re- that's really nice. Thanks, Clay. Let's call that let's, let's call that done. Okay, Maybe cool. Anything that I wrote down for for the answer, but that's great. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I I really wanted to. I was thinking about that. I was reflecting. You 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 had a point. <clears throat> All right. Let's get into the next one. This one is from from Vegan Matt. I added the vegan. We had two Matt questions, and there's one Matt that eats meat and one that doesn't. All right. Hey, guys. Got a Supercross question. Sly Fox's freezing temps at the start of the four fives made the ground incredibly hard, and my PDX-MXP tire combo, I believe he's running tubeless, which we won't get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, we might. Uh, tire combo had a nightmare of a time gripping on it. Looks like Supercross temps will be a little higher, but any tire advice for the weekend if it's cold? and or wet first of all colin what's the weather for this weekend for supercross cold <laughs> on saturday it's going to be i think for the early races it's going to be 34 um it's going to be a high of 44 uh and it's going to start raining in the afternoon is what i'm seeing um Oof. and then that means that it's going to be and it's going to be raining from the afternoon all the way until the morning on sunday uh where it's going to be a little warmer you know mid 40s basically all day Oh my goodness. All right. Yeah. So this, this will be a very difficult and changing course throughout the day. When you pre-ride it, the little dew that is there and maybe like frozen from overnight onto the grass is going to turn into water, soak into the ground and start to make all the lines a little bit crazier. So this is not going to be an ice or hard ground situation. This is going to be, I would say, a deteriorating course situation. Uh, When it comes to frozen stuff, there's, like, if it's truly an icy course, 
the wisdom that I found online from the Challenge Tires website, written by Helen Wyman. She like has her whole tire guide up there. It's actually really good. So if you just search Challenge Tire Guide Helen Wyman, you'll find this whole thing about how to choose which tires you want to use. And the idea for ice is that you want file treads with as low a pressure as you can tolerate. And the the depth of the the low pressures that you can get down to um, is based primarily on your your skill and your uh, your finesse I, and the course for sure. I was running 23-24 on accident on Sunday and it was amazing in my tubulars and I'm a 211 pound guy currently and I was fine. So you can definitely run pretty low pressure. Uh, test your tires though in in warm up in pre ride see see how they're holding and think about how you use the grass versus the dirt and how you use your brakes versus your power in terms of adding to or reducing the balance of the bike so the grass is going to slow you down the mud is going to speed you up you can use the grass to slow you down without hitting the brakes. And when you hit the brakes, what you do is you ask the tires to do a few things at once. One is slow you down, two is turn, right? You want the tires to ideally be doing just one thing at a time and maybe letting the ground do the slowing you down. So using the grass to slow you down is is critical. And knowing that you also have this option to put power into the bike knowing what that does to the bike and does the balance of the bike is critical as well. When you put power into the bike, because the rear wheel has that um, gyroscopic effect, when you put power into it, it makes the bike want to stand up. So if you're going down, a thing that you can do is pedal. You can just try to pedal out of it and usually it'll work. It might give you a crazy line, but it'll keep you up and staying upright is a lot faster than laying down on the ground. So, yeah. Uh, uh, there's one more thing that I that I learned um, uh, from listening to the Bike Shop C, uh, CX show uh, episode with the, the guy from Victoria. I don't remember his name. Um, but something I hadn't really considered or really thought about, like, the specifics of, which is, yeah, when you're breaking, the tread on the tire is actually, like, you need to think about the reverse order of it. Because when you're braking, you're trying to accelerate backwards. And, and so the, the grip, like if you look at the way your tires are, are set up, um, the grip uh, going the other way is actually what you want for good braking. Because if you want to slow down fast. I see a lot of people running the MXP and the PDX tires like in reverse, like backwards order from... Uh, <laughs> from the way that the, the manufacturer suggests because they want more grip, you know, when they're, when they're moving forwards, but think about what that's going to do. You, you've now reduced the braking that you have, like the braking resistance you have uh, on those tires. Yeah. And so just something to consider when mounting those tires and setting up the wheels. If you, if you're running canties and you can flip the, you can flip your wheels around like a lunatic, uh, on the front, at least, you know, consider consider running the tires the the way that the manufacturer suggests, and uh, and then also definitely go read um, 
Helen Wyman's tire guide and also listen to the Bike Shop CX show episode with the guy from uh, Vittoria. Yeah, there's a ton of uh, content on CX Magazine as well right now. Their Mechanical Mondays are, I think, brought to you by Vittoria. And while they're paid content at the same time, they're, it's really good content about tire choice and tire design. So have a look. Good luck, Matt. And the waterproof mail pannier is closed. Brought to you by Ortlieb. <laughs> okay, pals. Well, that was quite a doozy of an episode. Hopefully you made it all the way through. There's some really good content in there. Make sure you tune in next week when we talk about some Thanksgiving races coming up. And uh, with that, it's uh, time to clear the course. Yes, you there, off the course. There's a race about to start. Get off the course. Thanks, everyone. Bye.